everyone, it's Sari, and I'm live right now here at our Valencia campus. And I just wanted to say that whether you're joining us through YouTube or Facebook, any other digital channel, we're so glad that you call Higher Vision Church your home. Now let's tune in to Pastor Jared Ming's latest message from our series, Reach. Every year in the fall, we take some time to talk about, as a church, what we do to reach through missions around the world. We're touching nations literally in Africa, in Asia, in South America, all around the world, whether it's uh, building orphanages or helping build churches. Last year, we put a roof on a church in, in Africa. We helped build orphanages. We're doing all kinds of things. But not only that, we're part of a ministry called The Ark here in the U.S., which is a church planting organization. In the last 18 years, we planted through this organization 803 churches right here in America. How many know God is awesome? So when you give to missions above and beyond your tithes and offerings, when you give commitments to missions, that goes to help us do what God's called us to do. And not only are we called to go to the nations, not only are we called to go to our city, I mean, I'm sorry, our, 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 our nation and the nations of the world, but we're called to go to this community. And so I want Anthony to share a little bit. There's going to be some pictures on the screens. He's going to tell you about some things we're doing right here at Higher Vision Church. Now, first of all, what you're going to hear about is what we can do right now in the next three weeks, but also how you can be committed to help us reach this city and those around the world. So Anthony, come on, give Anthony, our circles director, a hand. Share with us a little bit, Anthony. Awesome. So you guys, um, it's our um, endeavor to be felt by the city. Um, if we're in this city, the city needs to know that we're here and that we're serving our city. And so what we want to do this Thanksgiving and how you can help us is we're partnering with a group called Bridge to Home. And what they do is they help people get from under the wash where they live here in the city and actually get to homes. And so this year we're going to be feeding some people. And you see some pictures here um, of the people that we've been meeting and going to the parks. Every Thursday we meet and then we go to the parks and we go and feed and we go and give people things. Pastor James gave his, gave his shoes to this young man. And these people are not um, invisible. These are real people. When I see these people, you know who I see? I see a mother named Marguerite, who's been living on the street, but she has a son and loves her son. I see a couple who've been on the street, but they love each other and they have love for their spouse just like we do, right? But they just don't have a home. But how we can help them is do this. They have 70 beds at Bridges to Home and they are going to have a winter shelter. They have it every year, but we're praying that they have the year-round shelter. So here's what we need. We're gonna feed them on Thanksgiving, so we need everybody to give $15 in the offering, notated that is for the Thanksgiving outreach. What that'll do is help us buy a dinner for them. We'll go there, we'll serve them, and we'll bless them, we'll pray for them, we'll love on them, and we'll do all those things. But also, Bridges to Home needs about 70 new coats that they need to give the homeless for the winter. And also they need about 70 uh, twin size fleece blankets, all new. So if you could bring those things and give those things in the give bin in the lobby, it'll be an awesome thing to do for this holiday season and to bless our city. Amen, thank you Anthony for sharing with us some of the things we're doing. So two things are happening this Thanksgiving. One is we're gonna help our city by providing coats and blankets, which you can put in the bins in the back can also give to help provide a meal on Thanksgiving for the 70 people that are going to be in that shelter. But also, we're actually needing 250 meals because we've got um, Thanksgiving meals we're providing for families out in Santa Paula. 
over 150 families out there. So if you want to give today specifically for that outreach, just notate Thanksgiving outreach in your giving. Let me have you open this uh, up with me, if you will, for a minute. Let me tell you real quickly, our goal this year is for, as a church, us to take in pledges and commitments for the next 12, 13 months, $200,000 in giving. So, for instance, maybe for you, you'd say, you know, Pastor, I want to be a part. I want to support. I want to reach into our world, into our community. So you could pledge a certain amount. Now, um, there's different amounts we put on there, but that's not limited. If you want to do $20 a month, some of you might say, well, Pastor, my budget's kind of tight. You know, you realize that if you just didn't go to Starbucks one time a week, you'd have like $8,000 that week. I'm sorry, that month. Just kidding. You would have the money to give $20 a month you could be a part of reaching into the community and making a difference. Maybe you could pledge $50 a month over the next year. Maybe you could do $100 a month. Or maybe God's blessed you and you could do another amount. Maybe it's above that, $200, $500. Maybe God's blessed you, you could do $1,000 a month. We have people that are capable of doing that. We're going to ask you to ask the Lord what you can do. And we're believing that we're going to reach $200,000 committed next year specifically. What you need to know is that our church budget adds to that money. And so last year, I think we were around $350,000, $400,000 that we gave out to missions and outreach, both locally and around the world. How many think that God loves when we reach into the community and make a difference? Um, so I want to encourage you, begin to pray and think about this flyer. And on the, the back of it, there's a place for you to make a commitment. Now, maybe you want to give a one-time pledge. Some of you get tax returns. You say, Pastor, this year I want to give my tax return. So if you think you know what that might be, write that number and say one-time gift. Write your name, your email on this brochure. Put it in the offering bag. Put it in the giving bins. And together we're going to reach our 200,000 goal and we're going to reach this world for Jesus Christ and lives are going to be changed. Amen? Now, um, you can put those down for a minute. I'm going to hand this off. Sammy, I mean, would you take this for me and put it on the bench there? We're starting a new series called Reach. For the next three weeks, this brochure that you have is the theme. And as I was praying about it, I was kind of like, okay, God, what do you want me to teach on? What, what part of the Bible do you want me to, to, to take and open up for us to chew on and, and think about? And, and the Lord spoke to me when I was running this week, and he said, preach on Jonah. I want to talk about Jonah today. Now, many people know the story of Jonah. A lot of us know the story, right? I'm going to kind of tell it to you in a nutshell, right? There was a guy, God spoke to him and said, go and reach a city called Nineveh. He doesn't. He gets mad. He doesn't want to do it. He runs from God. He ends up on a boat in a storm, and they realize that he's the cause of the storm, so they throw him overboard. He gets swallowed by a whale. Come on, how many tracking with me? He gets swallowed by a whale. When he's in the whale, he lights a candle which makes the whale throw him up on the beach and he becomes a real boy and his name is Pinocchio. And um, some of you are like, I lost you there. You went, went a whole nother, um, well, I did that. Not really, that's not the way the story goes. But you know, sometimes we don't really know the story. And today I want to, over the next several weeks, go through the story and I want to grab a hold of some truths that I think will bless us and help us to be what God has called us to be. So we do this, will you stand to your feet? We're gonna read our first verse of Jonah. We're gonna work through it over the next three weeks. Those of you joining us online in Sweden. In fact, can we welcome all our church family all around the world that's joining us in Kansas and Nevada and New Mexico and Washington? Come on, welcome them today. We are so glad you are with us. Let's read Jonah chapter 1, starting in verse 1. Let's all read it together out loud. Now, I'm going to just say this word might throw you for a loop, but that's okay. We'll just keep going. If you don't know how to say it, just you could speak in tongues at that moment. I don't know. Here we go. Ready? And the Lord gave this message to Jonah, son of Amittai. Get up and go to the great city of Nineveh. 
announce my judgment against it because I have seen how wicked its people are. Why don't you close your eyes today? Holy Spirit, we welcome you. I ask you to speak through this message to each one of us because we're all called to reach. We're all called to do something. So Lord, we want to reach and be what you've called us to be. Why don't you say these words? Say, Holy Spirit, speak to me this morning in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. You may be seated today. You see, this story, and the reason why I believe God took me to Jonah was because it's a story about how God wanted to reach out and save a city. And I want to say that God is a God who reaches out to the lost. We, we sang about it a moment ago, that he'll lead the 99, he'll go after the one. But here's what's interesting. Whenever God reaches, he always uses someone. When he wanted to reach Nineveh, he used Jonah. When he wanted to deliver, deliver Israel out of Egypt, he used Moses. When he wanted to reach and save the world, he used someone. His name was Jesus. The point is, is that all of us, you may not know it or not, but if you're a Christian, you're called by God to reach. The Bible says, go into the world and share the gospel, the good news, and make disciples. We're all called to reach. Your Nineveh may be your neighborhood. Your Nineveh may be the sports field that you're on every week. Your Nineveh may be that, that hobby group that meets down at, at the, the sports lodge. Your, your Nineveh might be on the job. And so today I want to talk to you about the concept of reach, and we're going to use the story of Jonah, and I'm going to give you four thoughts today. And it starts with the first thought, the first point, and it's really a question rather than a statement. Because God speaks to Jonah, and he says, I want you to go to Nineveh, and you're going to see what he does. And here's my first point, my first question. Write this down if you're taking notes. The question is, are you going to reach, or are you going to run? Are you going to reach, or are you going to run? Let's read what it says in Jonah. Jonah chapter 1, verse 3 now. God says, go to Nineveh. What happens? But Jonah got up and went in the opposite direction to get away from the Lord. Jonah began to run. God tell, told him to reach out, but instead Jonah ran. Can I stop and say there's a little bit of Jonah in each one of us? We all got a little bit of Jonah. And he ran. When God said go, Jonah said no. And I got to tell you that the reason a lot of times that when God says go, we say no, is because God tells us to do the hard thing. He tells us to do the thing we don't want to do. How many of you have ever had someone want you to do something and you didn't want to do it? Some of you just proved it because you didn't raise your hand. I <laughs> wanted you to raise your hand so bad that you didn't want to do it. The question is, are you going to say yes? Are you going to say no? Are you going to obey? Are you going to reach? Or are you going to run? God may tell you to do the hard thing. The hard thing may be to forgive someone. The hard thing may be to give to missions. The hard thing may be to um, share your faith with someone at work. The question is, why do we run? Why did Jonah run? Because here's the reality. All of us have a little bit of Jonah on the inside. Now, if you think about it, why did Jonah run? I'll give you some reasons, just some practical reasons. And there are reasons why we run. One is uh, because we're busy. Well, I'm too busy. I can't do that, God. I know you want me to serve, but I've just got too much going on. We're busy. Another reason we run is we're selfish, right? Well, this is what I want to do, and that means that I have to give up what I want to do. Sometimes, here's a big one. The reason we run is because we're afraid. 
Well, if I serve or if I give, what if I don't have enough money at the end of the month? Or what if I serve and I, I don't do a good job? Or, and so we're afraid. But in this story, there's another reason why Jonah runs. And I want to address it for a second. And the reason that he runs is, can be proved by this thought. And that is that we all think we know best. We all think we know better. Let me prove it to you. How many think that chocolate is better than vanilla? Come on, some of you really love chocolate. We even got a woo um, going on. Okay, but how many would say, no, 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 vanilla is better than chocolate? Okay, look at that. I'm kind of in the minority here. But you're all wrong because strawberry is the best. Um, <laughs> point is, we all think we know what's best. And in the story, that's exactly what was happening with Jonah. Jonah, we know later in, in the book of Jonah, and when we get to chapter 3, you'll read it with me in a couple weeks. The reason that he doesn't want to do what God wanted him to do is because he knew best. Let me, let, me sh- let me show you. You see, Nineveh was an evil city. It was a big city. It had 175,000 people in the city. The, the walls of the city were so wide that you could simultaneously have three chariots riding at the same time. It was the capital of Assyria, but here's the thing you need to know about Nineveh. Nineveh was a very harsh, mean, cruel, brutal city. In fact, this city was so brutal that if they went to attack a village or a town, and the town heard that Nineveh was coming, now this can be historically shown, that the town would commit mass suicide before Nineveh got there. Because of the brutality, here's what they would do. When they would go into a city, they would pull the men, all the soldiers, all the men of the city, they'd line them up outside, and then they would make them watch as they raped their wives and their children. And then when they were done raping their wives and children, here's what they would do to the men. They would literally fillet and peel their skin off. And with their skin peeled off, still alive, they would then put them in the sand up to their neck. So imagine sand against your flesh with no skin. And as they were in the ground, under the the dirt, they would then take their tongues, pull them out of their mouths, drive a stake through them so that they could die of dehydration and thirst with their tongue hanging out in the middle of the desert, filleted their skin gone underneath the sand. And then when they died, they would cut their heads off and they would pile them into a... You can see now why they would often take their lives before they ever showed up. And I got to tell you, I think what was going on in Jonah's mind is like, God, what are you doing? You don't want me to go to Nineveh because if I preach to Nineveh, they're going to repent and then you're going to give them mercy and they don't deserve mercy. In this situation, God, I know better than you. I like strawberry. (laughs) When you realize we all have a little Jonah on the inside of us. Well, I know you want me to give to missions, God, and maybe you're stirring my heart. And let me just say, I'm not asking you to give. I'm just asking you to ask God if he wants you to give. And if he speaks to you and says, yeah, I want you to give, you know, it's easy to go, well, God, I know better this time. And what we all do, whatever it might be, whether finances, whether uh, forgiving someone that we feel doesn't deserve it or whatever it might be, what do we do? Rather than obey, we run. And here's why we run, because I know better than you. You see, we're quick to remember the words of Jesus, which say, hey, um, when, when someone's in need, give them a cold cup of water and do this in the name of the Lord, and, right? But then we forget. It's easy to forget the words where Jesus says, love your enemy. Pray for those who despitefully use you. you. We're quick to want mercy and grace for the ones who've been abused, but how about grace for the abuser? 
I'm preaching better than you're amening right now. I, I feel it. I feel that way anyway. Because that's exactly where Jonah was. God, in this situation, I know better than you. They don't deserve mercy. And I want to tell you that when it comes to our journey with God, we have to understand that God will speak. It started with a word from God. When God gives us a word, what I love about this story is the incredible amount of effort that God went to to make sure that a city knew that there was a chance for them, that a city knew that God could turn their life around, that even an evil person knew that God loved them. Think about what God went through just to show, first of all, that city that he loved them. But not only that, that the one who fought it, the one who knew better, the one who ran, look at the lengths he went to to help them understand, no, we can't run, we've got to reach. Because all of us have a little bit of Jonah on the inside. Come on, somebody say amen. Let me give you the second point when we read through Jonah, and it's simply this, you ready? A ship is always waiting when you run. A ship is always waiting for you when you run. When you decide to to rebel against God, when you decide to to go in your own way and do it your way and, and go ahead and live out your sin, your desire, there's always a ship waiting when you run. Let me show you in the story. Jonah chapter 1 goes on to say, so after he ran, he went down to the port of Joppa where he found a ship leaving for Tarshish. He bought a ticket and he went on board hoping to escape from the Lord by sailing to Tarshish. Now, just for your own notes, when you go home, try saying Tarshish 10 times really fast. Just for your own study later on. It'll be interesting. Record yourself and send it to me. I'd like to hear it. (laughs) Isn't it interesting that we've grown up in church, if you've been in church, and here's what we've been taught and here's what we believe. God provides, and it's true, but here's what we don't realize. Satan provides too. And when you're ready to rebel and when you're ready to run, the the enemy will always make sure there's a ship waiting for you. Well, I'm struggling in my marriage and I don't know if I love her anymore. And I'm telling you, Satan will provide a ship. There'll be some cutie in your office who's going through the same thing. There'll always be a ship waiting for you when you're ready to run. There's always someone who will agree with you. There's always someone who will point you in the wrong direction. There's always someone who will justify your decision. And what's interesting is what does he do? He runs. And when he runs, he runs from the presence of God. I got to tell you, I've seen it over the years. It's the people, when God begins to deal with them, it could be it's time for you to be in a circle, time for you to be in a community group. Small group. It's time for you to give your tithes. It's time for you to start serving. It's time for you to finally reach out to that person that you've been struggling with. And what do we do? Because of the voice of the Lord and because of the accountability of that voice, we we think that if we can just get away from the voice, then we don't have to listen to the voice. And you see it. I see it over the years. The people, they run. First thing to go is, well, I don't need to be in a small group. And then the next thing you know, it's like, well, I love church, but it's just a busy season right now. And the reality is people try to get out of God's presence because it's in his presence that they're reminded that God has something for them. So we run. I'm going to tell you when you run, be careful because there will always be a ship waiting for you. Can I give you the next thought? And some of you are like, this is so encouraging, Pastor Jared. Thank you for that. It's good to know. I guess I've got to get my sailor's outfit on. You usually end up in a storm when you run. How about point number three? 
You usually end up in the storm when you run. Let's keep reading the story. But the Lord, notice this, the Lord, God, God hurled a powerful wind over the sea. God stirred up a storm, causing a violent storm that threatened to break the ship apart. Fearing for their lives, the desperate sailors shouted to their gods for help and threw the cargo overboard. How many know that you're scared that you feel like you're going to die if you're throwing your profits into the water? You're dismantling what you built to lighten the ship. But all this time, Jonah was asleep down in the hold. So the captain went down after him. He says, how can you sleep at a time like this? He shouted, get up and pray to your God. He ran from God's presence. He ends up on a ship, and now because he ran, he's in the middle of a storm. Can I just make an observation? Maybe God sent that storm not because he hates you or doesn't love you or he's forgotten about you. Maybe God sent that storm to get your attention. In fact, when I read this start part of the story, four things come to mind. Here's observation number one. When we run, storms seem to swirl around our sin. When people disobey God and they begin to do it their way and they begin to, what happens? Suddenly there's all of this turmoil and all these issues and, and things begin to happen. Here's the next observation. We become spiritually sick from our self-created storms. Now, what are you talking about? Well, the Bible says that he was down in the middle of the ship asleep. Here's what I believe that was telling us, is that he was sicker than a dog. Now, here's what you got to know about Jonah. Jonah was not a sailor. He was from an arid desert place. He, he probably didn't even know how to swim. And now he's on his first boat in the middle of a storm so bad that the sailors are scared. Where is he at? He's asleep because he's trying to sleep. How many here have ever been seasick? It's a horrible thing, isn't it? So what do you do? You take some, you know, drugs of some kind to help with it and you try to sleep it off. He's asleep in the middle of the storm, but here's the reality. His sickness came from his sin. His sickness came from his running. And there's a lot of people that are in life and they're mad at God and they're mad at the devil, but the reality is that they need to be mad at themselves because the storm has been created by their disobedience. And they're reaping consequences. You're mad at God because you're in debt right now, but really maybe you should be mad at yourself because you spent more money than you had and put yourself in debt. Good preaching, Pastor Jared. That was a tough word, but thank you. I know that was tough. I know it was a little harsh, but it's being real. And the reality is, is that too many times we blame God for things that maybe aren't even his fault. Because what I've discovered is that people often become spiritually sick from the self-created storms that come into their life because of the consequences of their running. Let me show you another observation. Here's the other observation. Our storms affect other people. Well, I can do what I want. It's just me. It's not going to hurt anybody. Can I tell you, just recently I had a long conversation with someone that is an adult male that is still struggling in his life because of his parents deciding to divorce. Because here's the lie of the enemy is. What I do won't hurt anybody. When the truth is, our storms affect everybody around us. All the sailors on that ship were struggling 
because someone ran from God. And maybe your family is struggling because you've been running. Okay, let's keep going before somebody shouts an oh me instead of an amen. All right. And then it ends with the other observation is sometimes we just need a wake-up call. Come on, how many of you here have ever had to give your kids a wake-up call? Right? Gosh, so many of you have wonderful children. Man, can you come to my house and talk to my children? It's interesting because in this story, what we discover is that storms come. And we're going to talk a little bit more about storms in a minute, but you've got to understand something. The reality is that when you run, a ship is waiting for you, but not only that, a storm might be waiting for you. And sometimes that storm can be brought by the Lord to try to get your attention. But sometimes that storm ends up being the thing that that causes us to be sick, causes us to go nowhere, causes us to stall in our faith, causes us to not to be able to see anything because we're down in the middle of the hole of a ship and we can't have vision anymore. Some people have lost their vision, they've lost their hope, they've lost their ability to relate to other people because they ran. And what God is saying today, listen, don't run, why don't you reach? Why don't you obey when I call your voice? I'm going to give you the last point. Some of you I know, you're going, man, Pastor Jerry, this is a little tough today. So encouraging. So, so let me give you the last point for those of you that are struggling with encouragement. Ready? Point number four. Don't worry, a whale is waiting when you run. Don't you feel better? It's awesome. A whale is waiting for you. Let's read the rest of the story because... The sailor, they were terrified when they heard this, for he had already told them he was running away from the Lord. So then they asked him, what should we do to stop this storm? This is a, where things begin to change. You'll see. And so he basically says, okay, throw me into the sea. I'm the cause of this. Throw me into the sea, Jonah said, and it will become calm again. So then the sailors picked up Jonah. Come on, how many of you have ever had siblings in a pool? And you've thrown your sibling into the pool. Well, this is one of those moments, but they're letting, he's letting them do it. They've got him by the hands, they've got him by the feet, and they're like, one, right? So they throw him into the sea, it's raging, and then the Bible says, and then the storm stops at once. How, how amazing is that? Now watch what happens. Now the Lord had arranged for a great fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was inside the fish for three days and three nights. A whale may be waiting when you run. Why is that encouraging, Pastor Jerry? That kind of sounds discouraging. I don't understand where you're going. Well, here's the problem. Our problem is that we focus on the whale way too much. And here's what you need to know about the whale is that God prepared the whale. This wasn't a random fish. God prepared the whale. Because you see, here's what you need to understand about the whale. The whale was just an ancient version of Uber. (laughs) Because the whale, here's the thing you need to know. God speaks whale. Come on, how many have seen Dory And, uh, and Nemo? Dory doesn't just speak whale. God speaks whale. Because Jonah is going to be thrown off the sea, but God knew it ahead of time. And so he decided to initiate that whale's GPS tracker. And he initiated it with, 
go and get Jonah. You didn't know I spoke whale. God speaks whale, and what happens? When he goes into the sea, God causes something. So here's the thing you need to know. Why is this important? Because the whale is not meant to harm you. The whale is God's miracle because when he got swallowed by the whale, it was God's method to get him to the destination God had for him all along. You see, the reality is that we curse the whale when we don't realize that the miracle is the whale. Is that in the midst of our storm, because God speaks whale, you see, here's when everything changed. Everything changed not when he prayed. And that's what we think. Well, I'll just pray, I'll pray, I'll pray. And that's what we do. We're in the middle of our storm and we pray and we pray and I pray and nothing changes. The men prayed, Jonah prayed, nothing changed. Here's the other thing. Well, if I'm in a storm, here's what I'll do. I'll just work my way out of the storm. I'll roll myself out of this. And we didn't read it. I took it out for the sake of time. But if you read the story, once they found out what was going on, they got in boats and tried to row to the shore, but it didn't help. You see, you trying to get out of your storm, you trying to pray yourself out of your storm won't change anything. When things change is when he quit running and he surrendered. You see, the key to God's whale is surrender. To say, okay, I'm not running anymore. Because you see, when you surrender, that's when you stop asking yourself the question, why, God? Because when you surrender, you start saying, who, God, have you called me to reach? Who have you called me to be? Where have you called me to go? What have you called me to say? What have you called me to give? Who have you called me to reach? In fact, if you're trying to figure out today, am I the runner or am I the one that's obeying God, then maybe you need to take a look at what questions you're asking. Because if you're in the middle of your storm and you keep asking why, God, maybe you're running rather than reaching. See, we all have a little bit of Jonah on the inside. Aren't you glad, though, that in the midst of our storm, when we run, that God runs too? You can't outrun the Lord. David said, when I go to the mountains, you're there. When I go to the valleys, you're there. When I go to the sea, you're there. Let me tell you something. God may not bring every storm. But one thing I can tell you is that God is over every storm. And he has the authority and he has the power to say, peace, be still to your storm. He has the ability to speak whale, to cause a whale to show up in the middle of your storm. But the key is when you're in your storm, you can try to pray your way out of it. You can try to row your way out of it. But I'm telling you, as long as you try to run your way out of it, you'll never outrun the storm. But when you finally say, God, I want to surrender. I want to say yes to you. Not my kingdom come, not my will be done. I'm going to quit thinking that I know better than you in this situation and instead I'm going to surrender and what you'll find is that God has been running 
the whole time. He's never been far away. Now, here's the question that maybe you need to ask. I'm asking because, you know, sometimes people come and they'll say, Pastor Jerry, man, that sermon this weekend, it was like, like you're preaching to me. Like you're reading my mail. It's like you're in my kitchen when we're having a cup of coffee and talking about that. And usually when people tell me that, what I say back is, well, I was preaching to me too. Because all of us have a little bit of Jonah. So where are you running? Are you running in your marriage? Are you running in your finances? Here's the question. How can I surrender and stop running? I'll tell you, for some of you, it may be to say, okay, God, I'm going to help reach $200,000 goal. I'm going to give. If, if, if our church family right now, if God's speaking, that this is something we can do corporately together, we can touch the nations of the world. If you're calling me to do that, then Lord, maybe that's one way I can surrender. Maybe for you, surrender is finally saying, I'm going to forgive them. But they don't deserve it. I know better than you. This time, God. Maybe when we ask the question, how can I surrender? I'm going to get political. Maybe for some of you, the way you can surrender is quit hating Trump and actually pray for Trump. Or maybe you need to quit hating Schumer and pray for Schumer. I don't know. I'm doing both sides here point is, is we're so quick to give mercy and remember Jesus' words to the least of these. But we're quick to forget when he says, love your enemy. Pray for those who despitefully use you. We have a lot of running Christians right now. And it's time for us to say, I'm tired of running and I'm ready to surrender. Because God's called you and I to reach. There's too many people to reach. And you're the one he's called to reach them. You have a Nineveh that God's called you to. It may be your family. It may be your workplace. God, I want to reach. And I'm tired of running. You know, as we bring this service to a close, in a moment I'm going to pray over everyone here. But before I pray over you, because here's the thing, some of you are in the middle of a storm. You may not know it, but you're in a storm you've made yourself. Or some of you, God's just trying to get your attention. And you're in a storm, but you need to know something. You serve a God who can say, peace, be still, and he can stop the storm. He's a God who can send the whale. He's a God who can bring the miracle. So I'm going to pray for you. Some of you are here. God wants to say it's time to quit running. He's going to talk to you too. We're going to pray over all these areas. But before we do that, I want to do one of the most spiritual things we can do. And I want to get ready to receive our tithes and offerings. I believe with all of my heart, this is one of the most spiritual moments in a church service every week. Let me tell you why. Because this is one of the areas where Christians struggle the most when it comes to surrender or running. That's why this might blow some of you away if you haven't heard it, but only 10% of Christians actually tithe to God on a regular basis. 10%. That's across all the boards, right? Statistically. I'm telling you, I'm just be honest with you, they're running. And it's one of the areas that's the hardest to surrender in. 
it's the hardest. Because, I mean, it involves bills and taking care of needs. And, but God says, listen, if you'll trust me, imagine Jonah, trust me, I want you to go to your enemy and I want you to stand in front of them and preach that judgment is coming. And we know if we read the story, they repent. It's, it's amazing that God saves the city. Imagine that he's going not into the you know, belly of a whale, which he does because he runs, but he goes into the belly of the enemy. It took faith. It took courage. I had someone last week come up to me after service and they said, Pastor Jared, will you pray for me? And we were talking about the gifts of the Spirit last week. And so I thought he was going to you know, want prayer for healing or something like that. And he said, no. He goes, I want you to pray for me because the Lord spoke to me. I said, what do you say? He goes, he goes, I want to apologize to you, and I'm apologizing to the Lord. And I'm like, why? He said, because I have been holding back my tithe because I've been afraid. And he said, I'm tired of being afraid, and I'm ready to surrender. So pray for me that God will give me the courage. Because here's what God says. He says, if you'll trust me and you'll give the 10% to God first, he said, I'll rebuke the devourer, I'll open up windows of heaven and bless you. But it's not just about that. It's not a, we don't do it just for those reasons. We do it because what we're showing is that we honor the Lord and his word and he wants to bless us he wants to help us and he wants to teach us surrender I get every time I get paid I get to surrender I get to prove it come on put your money where your mouth is come on on time God gets to gets to see do you really surrender and here's what's cool when you give did you realize that this is worship in the Old Testament, when they would worship, they would bring their sacrifice and they would offer it up to God. And it represented their life. You realize your money represents your life because most of us get paid a salary based on our hours of work. It may not be by the hour, but it's for our time. So literally, this is the one thing that you're giving your life to God, your time. All week long, a percentage of your, you're saying, God, I'm giving the first of my life, my time, my effort, I'm giving it to you. And so listen today, you don't have to give if you come to higher vision. You don't have to. You don't even have to be, you don't have to give to go to heaven. You don't have to tithe to go to heaven. You go to heaven through faith in Jesus Christ. But sometimes we've got to realize that it makes sense to surrender rather than to run. So I'm telling you, there's a joy it's a joy to cheerfully give to the Lord.